this video, I want to talk about something very specific. It can lead to a lot of weird symptoms. It can lead to a lot of pain, headaches, things like that. But I'm going to be talking about temporomandibular joint dysfunction, aka TMJ, aka a very tight jaw from jaw clenching. So let's back up a little bit. If you're somebody who struggles with CFS, then I know how stressful you know this illness can be. You know, you're dealing with a lot of stuff, not just physical, but mental, emotional, you know, you kind of lose your identity because a lot of stuff that you used to be able to do, well, you can't do it anymore. Maybe you're off of work. Maybe you have to say no every time your friends ask to hang out. Maybe you're not even able to go for a walk in the park, or maybe you just get overwhelmed very easily and your whole body tenses up. What you have to understand is that when you get stressed, it is natural for the muscles to tense up. When you are stressed, you have adrenaline and cortisol running through your body. So essentially your body is getting ready to fight or fly or run away essentially, or freeze, right? Everything just gets very tense, especially with the adrenaline. You're ready to just book it, right? Or fight something off. And so what happens when your muscles get tense, it's not just your big muscles that are meant for fighting like your biceps and, and your forearms for punching and your calves and your quads and your glutes to run, it's almost every muscle in your body. And a lot of people don't realize we actually have a lot of muscles in our face, more specifically our jaw area. Think of how much we chew, how much we talk, you know, how much we use this muscle on a daily basis. You know, every time we chew, every time we bite, every time we clamp down, we are using these muscles and it can produce hundreds of pounds of force. Now, when we are tense, you know, a lot of times we don't even realize it. And this happens a lot to people, especially when they're sleeping, you know, they'll go to sleep, their neck and shoulders will get very tight. In addition to that, their jaws will get tight and they'll wake up finding that they're clenching their jaw. And so what happens is you get temporomandibular joint dysfunction. Now, this is a term I learned when back in my personal training days, when I learned a lot of anatomy and how the muscles work, but when a muscle is clamped down like that for so long and just strained and just very tight and very activated, then it can cause strains. Not only that, it can affect other muscles around the area and it can develop this thing called trigger points. So this is getting a little more specific. I want to keep it very broad here, but essentially when you clench down with your muscles here, your masseters and all the muscles around the jaw, sometimes you can actually feel tension go up to about here around the temples or just above and in front of the temples. And from there, if you, if you get tight knots around there or you, know, you strain muscles around here, it kind of spreads to your whole head. Now, when there's tension in the whole head, your whole body essentially starts to feel very tense because it just radiates, right? We, we call that radiating pain. And so back when I was in really bad shape, I would wake up in the middle of the night and my jaws would be super, super tight. In fact, you know, I've been to dentists in the past couple of years and they said that I shaved down a lot of my teeth just because I would clench down. For that short two to three year period of time, I would just grind my teeth. And I remember when I was in a lot of pain and would feel burning sensations and I get panic attacks, I would grind my teeth really bad because I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't move, couldn't squeeze anything, but I could grind my teeth but that led to a lot of TMJ. And so it becomes this vicious cycle where because you're so stressed, you start to clench your muscles. That in itself is very draining, but it can also lead to some actual headaches. So, you know, a lot of the headaches can be internal from the pain centers in your brain just flaring up. And I made a video about that right up here. So you could go watch more about how chronic pain works. 
But on the other hand, there can be actual physical pain happening in your body. So there's some people in the program, they get lots of tension headaches. And so a good thing you could do is just, you know, massage the muscles around the jaw if you find you're clenching. And there are going to be certain parts where you press and usually it's like right behind the jaw or just, just in front of the ear. There's going to be really tender spots there. Just roll your fingers around there. And if you find these spots that are very, very tender, that's a pretty good indicator that you have been clenching your jaw quite a bit. And so you might be asking, what's the solution to something like this? Well, one, the long-term solution is to get the nervous system you know, functioning normally again, shift more into parasympathetic versus sympathetic so your muscles aren't always tense, even subconsciously. And that's more of the long-term fix. You know, you're not going to feel immediate relief from that. But what you could do, number two, is actually get a night guard. You know, I used to use this and technically I should still be using it, but mine kind of broke and you get another one. But it's a night guard. So it's, it's like basically a piece of rubber, almost like a mouth guard that you put in your mouth when you're sleeping. So that way when you do grind, you know, it's not teeth on teeth and there's some cushion. So it's, it's not as jarring. It's not as aggressive. You don't grind your teeth down and there's different levels of this. If you find you're grinding really, really hard, you'd want a thicker night guard. If you find you're grinding a little bit, then, you know, you don't need something too thick. You just need a kind of a small layer there to protect the teeth from clashing against each other. The third thing you can do is kind of, like I said, simply massaging your masseter muscles and the muscles around your jaw. And I also found up here when I was clenching my jaws, I would find these weird like muscle bumps almost in my temple that if I massage them and press them, they would, they would also radiate around my head. And that's how I knew I was, I was pressing on those right spots. And so this, this helped a lot with uh, any kind of tension headaches I had. It had to be like a two-pronged approach, especially with the headaches because it was happening internally from the chronic pain. Like I said, there's a video up here that can also help you get rid of a lot of chronic pain. But a lot of it was the physical muscles around my face just being very, very tense. And a way that the dentist knew that I was grinding my teeth like crazy was if you actually look in the mirror and you glide your teeth side by side like that, it, it's almost like a perfect jigsaw puzzle where my teeth glide past each other. These are supposed to be canines. These are supposed to be sharp. And that's kind of how I knew, yeah, I really grinded my teeth down. So that's just something to keep in mind that could be adding to some of the headaches you have. It's a very physical thing, like actually happening in the muscle. So that happens quite a bit and we don't realize it. Most of the time it happens in our sleep um, and we don't realize it. So that's where a mouth guard comes in handy. But I just want to put this video out there that, that could kind of explain why you might be feeling, you know, more severe headaches than usual. Because also when we're more stressed, we tend to clench more and tense our muscles. So that's going to add to a lot of the tension around this area. And this leads to tension around here, which leads to tension around your head, which kind of works its way down your body. So if you learned something from this video, if you got some value out of this, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. And like I mentioned, I added some cards in this video for other videos where I break down how chronic pain works and how you can fix that if you are feeling a lot of chronic pain, especially headaches, things like that. Make sure to go watch those very short, simple videos. Comment down below if this video helps. I love making these videos for you guys just to help you kind of get out of the situation that I was stuck in not too long ago. So I'm just a few steps ahead of you guys and I want to give you guys, you know, tools and knowledge that will help you get out of this thing so that one day you can look back and at some point when you do recover, it's likely that this will just feel like a bad dream. So as always, remember you are just one mind shift away from living a life with thriving health. I'll see you in the next video. In this video, I'm going to be talking about CFS and 
irritable bowel syndrome or IBS. Now, this is a very common thing that people experience when they have something like chronic fatigue syndrome. You know, chronic fatigue syndrome is essentially a hypersensitive nervous system disorder. Doctors recognize it as a neurological disorder. They can't really explain a lot of the stuff that's going on in the body, but essentially in my experience, based on the people I've worked with and what I've seen to work, if we just classify CFS as a hypersensitive nervous system, that will solve a lot if not all of these symptoms that kind of go under the umbrella of this hypersensitive nervous system issue. Now, when it comes specifically to irritable bowel syndrome or IBS, right? A lot of people can, you know, fall into the trap of thinking that it's actually a digestion issue. Now it might actually be. So the first thing as always is make sure to go get it checked out at your doctors, make sure you do allergy tests, see doctors specifically for your gut do a bunch of tests to make sure there's nothing actually going on in your gut. So that's step one. If they don't find anything happening in the gut, then you can be pretty confident that this is just a hypersensitive nervous system issue. Now, you know, let's rewind the clock a little bit. Growing up, I never really had issues. You know, I could pretty much eat anything. I could drink milk, dairy, gluten, sugar, chocolate, caffeine, stimulants, all of that. None of that stuff ever bothered me. But once I developed CFS or once I started, you know, getting all the symptoms of CFS, feeling more tired and wired and my health really started to decline. I found that the more symptoms I had overall, the more sensitive I was to certain foods. And it actually got to a point where I couldn't even tolerate eating candy or chocolate or any fried food or else it would literally give me panic attacks. Um, my heart would race. It would pound. I'd start to feel lightheaded. This one time I remember working um, as a personal trainer and, you know, we were just getting ready for the day. Everybody was hanging out and the manager decided to buy everybody some hot chocolate. And I think it was to try to entice us or encourage us or inspire us to do really well that day and sell a lot of personal training. So we went to go get some hot chocolate at a nearby shop. And so I chugged the cup of hot chocolate and just the sugar in that and the cocoa, which, you know, there's a little bit of caffeine and chocolate, my heart was racing like crazy. And this is just one of the instances where I experienced this. There was another time where I was out with friends. This is when the CFS was just first hitting me. So at this point, I could no longer exercise. I was pulling back on a lot of activity, had a lot of symptoms. It was around Christmas time and I went to go get sushi with a bunch of friends. And we had done this dozens of times in the past, but this time it was after my first few episodes of going to the hospital due to a bunch of symptoms. And so we ate sushi, we had some fried chicken, all of that good stuff. And I woke up at, I think it was one or 2 a.m. My heart was racing, just pounding out of my chest. And it literally felt like a crash. That's what it felt like. It was a lot more than an adjustment period. And so over the years, I developed this sensitivity to a lot of different foods and it just got worse. And they tested my gut for all these different things. In fact, we even tried doing many detoxes, which I did with a naturopath and flushed my system. Detoxes were absolutely brutal. You know, they really wiped me out, took a toll on my body. And even after the detoxes, the gut issues were still there, which was very frustrating because I would eat something and my stomach would hurt or I'd get upset stomach and, you know, I need to go to the washroom five times, you know, three to four times in a row. Here's the interesting part about you know, me having IBS. Um, and this is how I know, at least in my case, and for a lot of other people, food wasn't the main thing I should have been focusing on. In certain cases, yes, if you have SIBO or SIBO, whatever, however they pronounce it, or 
actual things they have found in the gut that they tested for. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about if they have not found anything in your gut, but you're experiencing all these symptoms in addition to the IBS. I was living with my grandparents for six months at my absolute worst. I, I, I could barely walk, so I needed help from my 72-year-old grandma to just get to the washroom. So I'd be hanging on to her. Couldn't really roll over in bed, had a hard time feeding myself. So just try to make me as healthy as possible. My grandma and grandpa would prepare all this very healthy food. And so I was eating, you know, eggs, uh, salads, sweet potatoes, uh, ginger tea every morning, avocados. I remember exactly, you know, what I was eating because every single day it was the same thing. And so I was eating extremely healthy, no junk food at all, no sugar, no cookies, no chocolate, no nothing. But for six months on that diet, I just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I would have adjustment period after crash, after adjustment period, and it was just a nightmare. But my diet was perfect. And I was still getting really upset stomach, especially when I had adjustment periods or crashes. That's when it would be the worst. And when I got to the hospital, I was in ICU for you know about a month. If you, if you want to listen to my more in-depth, detailed story, you can check it out up here. It's on Raylan's channel. I really break down my story there. But what happened is after that month in the ICU, they moved me to another part of the hospital where I started working with a doctor. We started working on the root cause of all of this, which was the nervous system. We didn't try to treat my headaches, my heart rate, my shortness of breath, my irritable bowel syndrome. We just treated one problem. And he said, Miguel, basically your nervous system is hypersensitive. It's very wired. So any kind of stimulus is going to make your body go into fight or flight mode and you're going to feel all these symptoms. And so that's what we treated. We treated the hypersensitive nervous system disorder. And lo and behold, to my shocking surprise, as we started focusing on that, that one problem, instead of focusing on 20 different problems, I started to get better. Not only did I have less pain, less headaches, less brain fog, less fatigue, less shortness of breath, 20 other symptoms were a lot less intense. My gut actually started being able to digest different foods. I remember my friend, Paul, shout out to Paul. He would visit me and this one time he dropped off a bunch of cookies. And I hadn't eaten a cookie in probably a year at that point, but I started eating cookies and the first cookie was okay. It just tasted so delicious. So I had more cookies and there were, the hospital food isn't the healthiest, but at that time it tasted absolutely delicious because I had been eating so healthy for so long that my body was like craving all this junk food. So in the hospital, I remember trading people peanut butter for jam and this and that, and I would spread peanut butter on rice cakes. I would have candy at the hospital. I'd have apple juice and sugar in it, like pop here and there. And to be honest, it wasn't the healthiest diet. I'll admit that. But the surprising thing was what really shocked me was the fact that I could even tolerate any of these foods because even just a month or two prior, right, I almost couldn't tolerate anything. It got to that point. Like, that's what put me in the hospital. I couldn't eat anything. In fact, my dad had to blend food because I just had trouble chewing and swallowing. So I actually drank. I remember one time he, he blended tilapia, rice, and boiling water just to, to make it mushy so I could drink it. And that's how I know I hit rock bottom. That's kind of what made the hospital take me seriously and actually let me stay. But I was able to eat all this different food. To my surprise, I, I was okay. In fact, I wasn't getting worse. I wasn't staying the same. I just kept getting better while I was eating all this food. 
And so that's a perfect example that really taught me and showed me and proved to me that this was more than just a gut issue. This is not really a diet issue. This is like a hypersensitive nervous system issue. And that's what I find with a lot of people, even in recovery jumpstart, you know, when they first come in or even on the application calls, you know, I ask them, what do they want to do? What does recovery look like? Where do they want to be? And be, what do they want to be able to do and tolerate once they get better? A lot of people say, if I could just eat a slice of pizza, if I could just eat you know, some fried chicken, if I could just eat some candy, if I could just enjoy a really nice meal and not have to worry about what happens after, I'd be happy. And I tell them, I'm like, you know, if you just follow everything we do, there's a high chance that within the next month or two, you'll actually be eating that. And so there have been many cases in the program where people come in, they can't tolerate food and within a month or two months, definitely by three months, they're able to tolerate more. And it's just really cool to see because what happened to me, what's happening to them. And it was really nice to know that I didn't have to avoid these foods forever, which that's what I was so used to believing. And I thought I'd never be able to enjoy really good food again, as in like junk food. Obviously now I eat a little bit healthier, but every now and then I could introduce things into my diet, knowing that it won't completely wipe me out. So when you have this hypersensitive nervous system issue, there's actually a lot of science behind it of why it's hard to digest things. So number one is when you're in a state of fight or flight mode, when your heart's pounding or your body's feeling really wired and buzzed, a lot of the blood goes to your extremities, to your arms and legs, because your body is getting prepared to run or flee or fight. That blood needs to be in your arms and limbs so you could perform all these moves. So when there's a lot of blood in your extremities, there's not a lot of blood in, in your internal organ area here, right? When your body is running from something or fighting something off, trying to just survive, it's not worried about digesting. It's not worried about a lot of stuff that goes on here. So it prioritizes movement of the arms and legs and those kind of functions versus digestion, which is why a lot of the times we'll, we'll eat food and it feels like our body is having a hard time digesting that food. It's because there's not much blood in, in this area. It's all in our limbs, our, our body's focused on fight or flight or freezing in the situation, not so much rest and digest, right? So. That's why it's called rest and digest, because when you are resting, when you're in parasympathetic mode, that's when your body allows itself to digest because the blood starts to go into your internal organs. So this kind of explains why, especially when you're feeling extra anxious, extra wired and have that extra buzzing feeling, it's hard to digest food. In fact, I just pulled up something on my phone here. Worry about things like money, career, relationships, and your health and ongoing anxiety can make you experience IBS more intensely. It can feel like anxious thoughts and fears make IBS symptoms come on. If you have IBS, it may just be that you're more sensitive to emotional troubles or worries. Some people with irritable bowel syndrome report psychological symptoms such as depression or anxiety. This occurs mainly in people who experience more severe symptoms. Now, it can go back and forth. So maybe you're in an adjustment period and you're upset that you can't move around and do all these things that you used to do and you start feeling down. That puts you in a stress state. When you're in that stress state, you get a lot of IBS because the blood, like I said, it goes to your extremities and that doesn't really digest properly. Digesting isn't the priority of your body when it's in fight or flight. So it causes IBS symptoms and having those symptoms maybe upsets you even more, which makes you more stressed, which leads to more IBS symptoms, which you can see how this whole thing can snowball and get out of control, kind of like how it does with every other symptom. And that's why CFS is so tricky. You know. I don't even like to call it CFS when I'm on the group coaching calls with people in a recovery jumpstart 
I call it a hypersensitive nervous system issue because that's essentially what it is. Even people with mitochondria dysfunctions, it's the same thing. It's this hypersensitive nervous system issue. They're getting better with the same approach that people with mold toxicity, people with long COVID, people who have been wiped out by some kind of bronchitis or flu or strong virus. It's the same approach because all we're trying to do is fix a hypersensitive nervous system disorder if tests have ruled out any other causes of this, any other obvious causes that explain everything that's going on. That's just something to think about. If you have IBS, a lot of people go down the route of trying to fix it, but you can't really fix something if it's not the root cause. Like you could take all these supplements for your gut, but if we're not fixing the root cause of this, which is a hypersensitive nervous system issue, then we're going to have to continue using these band-aid fixes. And in the long run, that can lead to more harm than good. So again, just, you know, make sure you get all the tests done to rule out anything that's happening with the gut. That's really going to help you focus on the root cause of a lot of this. And the chances are very high that this is a hypersensitive nervous system issue that we're dealing with here. Not so much IBS. You may have IBS symptoms, but the root cause is different, but make sure you go get that checked out. You know, I don't want to tell you something, a potential treatment when you haven't checked this stuff out. It's really important that you go, um, you go see a doctor for this, but once you rule it out, cross it off the list and we can focus on the, the root cause of this stuff. So hope you enjoyed this video. If you got some value out of it, make sure to hit that like button, hit subscribe, make sure to comment down below. What kind of foods could you tolerate before and can't tolerate anymore? Type down below. And also if you could eat any food, what would it be? I'm curious to, to know what you guys picked. I remember when I was really sick, I actually wrote down a whole page of food that I would have loved to eat. I and mean, I'll actually put it up right here. It was a really cool list of food. And you know, luckily I've been able to eat most of that stuff. There's some stuff I just haven't gotten around to, but everything on that list over here, I can pretty much eat and it's great. You know, life's good. I have this new appreciation for food now because I was deprived of a lot of it for so long. Like I said, I hope you enjoyed this video. If you needed some extra help in recovery and you know, dive deeper into topics like this and just get more hands-on help. Make sure to apply to Recovery Jumpstart. There's limited spots available. It's just really the next level from these YouTube videos. All this YouTube stuff, completely free. I give about as much as I can right here on YouTube as well as on my Instagram. But this is almost like a you do it on your own kind of thing. If you needed some extra help where we do it with you, I'm talking to you regularly, then you can apply for Recovery Jumpstart. We do it by application only. Uh, we wanna make sure we're bringing in the right people for the program. So if that's someone like you, if you feel like you needed some extra hands, make sure to apply to see if you're a good fit for the program. And always remember, you are just one mind shift away from living a life of thriving health. See you in the next video.